This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. You got your Bible, go with me to 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to dive back into the Word of God. We've been talking now for weeks and weeks and weeks just about spiritual laws. So I want to give you another one tonight to try to help us. Just to understand things biblically and to teach us what all we can do. And, you know, every one of us in this room, when you live by the truth, the Word of God, the truth will encounter opposition. Understand that. The more we go on in this life, when you start talking about the things of God, there's going to be opposition. People come after you. And so what ultimately happens when opposition arises, many people begin to back off from the Word. And we start making excuses for life. And we try to blame others instead of just stand on the word and say, no, this is what God said. And I have people that will say stuff like this. Well, you don't know what type of a hard life I've had. I'm not saying you hadn't had a hard life. But you're acting like your life experiences are greater than the word of God. They're not. And then you'll you'll have people that will come in and they will say this. Well, the word of God won't work for me. So God's a liar? No, God's not a liar. What happens with the Word of God is several things. Number one, when the Word of God doesn't work like it says it is, I either don't believe it, I don't act on it, or according to John chapter 8, verse 31, he said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free when you remain in it. What does the word remain in it? You live in it. You continue in it. You keep doing the word day after day after day, and I'm going to tell you, the truth will get on the inside of you. So it's very important that we get a hold of the word of God. Now, a couple of weeks ago there, we talked in Colossians 1, and I'll reference it several times tonight, but Father God, he, he ordained the plan of redemption for every one of us, and Jesus carried it out. But what Jesus did, two things interfere with what he did for every one of us. Number one, the book of Hosea, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. We don't know what Jesus did for us. The only way I find out what Jesus did for me is I get in the book. The second area is the devil does not want you knowing what you have rightfully through Jesus. Colossians 1.13, 1.12, verse 13, we're partakers of the inheritance in light. You have an inheritance. So we start tonight in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. But even if our gospel, the word of God, is veiled or hidden, it is veiled or hidden to those who are perishing. It's obscured. It's covered up. And so what happens when the word of God is hidden or covered up? It hinders us from understanding the Word of God or ever getting knowledge in the Word of God. Now pay close attention here to verse 4. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Now I said to pay close attention here. If you'll note the, the, the word God there, it's a little g. The God of this age or the God of this world is the devil. John 12, 31 says, he's the ruler of this world. So understand this. This may be a truth that will really help you today. 
The devil is the ruler of this world right now, okay? And in John 10, 10, it says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So when you see stupid, crazy, chaotic things like we're seeing in our world, don't blame God for that, okay? He tells me right here, he's the God of this world. Uh, The devil is crazy. He's crazy. And just get a hold of that, but it tells me some insights here that the, the God of this world tries to blind our minds. You know why he does that? He does not want in you knowing about salvation. He doesn't want in you understanding your authority because he knows if he can blind your mind, you'll never get a hold of that. Do you know that he wants our minds blinded so bad that in uh, the parable of the sower in Mark, uh, specifically Mark 4 verse 15, It says that when you hear the word of God, the devil comes immediately to steal the word of God. And me, I encourage you to read that. That's Mark 4. Read that parable and you'll see. So the devil understands fully. When we get a hold of the word of God, it's not good. You begin to understand the truth. You begin to understand who you are in Christ Jesus. So it says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not... Believe. So what he's talking about is he blinds people's minds, but people ultimately choose not to believe. I can hear the word of God all night long and I can look and say, I'm not going to believe that. I don't believe that. That's where I have to just stay with the word. And, and there in uh, Romans 12 verse 2, it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the word of God. What does that mean? I got to start thinking in line with the word of God. The only way I think in line with the Word of God is when I start hearing it. And I said, Lord, open the eyes of my understanding. Give me understanding to to not only see the Word, let me think in the Word. And so what ultimately happens is when you watch ABC News and they say something off the chart, you look and you say, that doesn't line up with the Word of God. When you hear some commentator say something ridiculous, you say, that doesn't line up with the Word of God. God's Word says this. So, pastor, are you saying we base our whole life off the Word of God? I am. I believe God's Word is for every avenue or venue in my life when I get a hold of it. So he goes on to say, who do not believe, least the light of the gospel, the gospel brings light, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Now, just think about the three words there that really jump out. He said, the, the light, the glory, and that it should shine on us. That's what happens when we start hanging out with Jesus and the Word of God. It brings light to me. It begins to teach me how to live. Verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. We become servants of His. For it is, the God, it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so when I don't get a hold of the word of God, there's not going to be light in my life. And if there's not going to be light in my life, guess how I'm going to live? I'm going to live in darkness. How many have ever lived in darkness? 20 years of my life, I lived in darkness. I didn't know the things of God. I didn't know anything about the things of God. 
I mean, if you would have told me the story about Jonah and Moses, I wouldn't have known what you were talking about. But when I got born again and I, I, I saw the Word of God, the truths from the Word of God, I thought, that's something that'll last. And the Word of God, it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. And so tomorrow you can open your Bible to this book again and read and say, this is what it says. Verse 7. But we have this treasure... In earthen vessels. One translation for earthen vessels says jars of clay. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence, that the superiority, the excess, the preeminence of the power may be of God and not of us. And so the treasure is the knowledge of God. The earthen vessels are me and you. And when he ends that verse and says that the power may be of God and not of us, you know what God does? He operates through earthen vessels, jars of clay, and he moves his power on earth right here through us. That's how God operates. That's why we can go back to the Great Commission in Mark 16. And the Lord said, you preach the gospel to every person. You lay hands on the sick in Jesus' name and they'll recover. You cast out devils in the name of Jesus. So we become literally the hands and the feet of Jesus. Turn to your right. Just a few books there. You'll jump into Colossians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians 3. I don't don't tell you where to go to make you think I know the Bible. I remember years ago. Uh, it helped me when, when ministers would do that. I used to have those little bitty liners in my Bible where I could turn immediately and I'd have to, I didn't know the books of the Bible. My granddaughter can quote them front ways and back. She'll do the whole Old Testament for me. I think, man, darling, you're way ahead of your papa and he's a pastor. <laughs> way to go. Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, I don't know that could be said any better right there. Fill your life with the Word of God. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. The Amplified said, let it have its home in your heart and your mind. So, what will the Word of God do when I dwell on it richly? Keep reading. In all wisdom... It'll give me wisdom, the Word of God. It will teach me. It will train me. It will help me to admonish one another. Where I look at other people and say, but this is what the Word of God said. Oh, pastor, I'm struggling, but this is what the Word of God said. And so it helps us to admonish. And then he goes on to say, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So the Word of God literally gives me insight into spiritual things. But I must let the Word of God become part of me. The way that happens, I study it, I think about it, I believe it, I live it. And I also let the Word of God be constant in my mouth. Agree with the Word of God out of your mouth. Why is that so important? Well, when you get born again, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. It's very important what you allow to come out of your mouth. And so let the word of God dwell richly in my mind, my heart, and in my mouth. 
Now we're jumping into a spiritual law here. Watch verse 17. And whatever, say whatever. Whatever you do in word or deed, no matter what it is, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, I highlighted that this was a spiritual law. The way that we go through to the Father is when we pray, we say, Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And when we end our prayers, we end in the name of Jesus. And if, if you'll note there, he said, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. And when I look at that, that's again every area of my life. Before I eat, I ought to pray over my food in the name of Jesus. Before I, I go play golf. You know, I, I, I've played golf with a couple guys there in Clovis. And right on the tee box, on the very first hole, every one of them will put their driver in. And they'll pray in the name of Jesus. Right there on the golf course. He used to bless me. I mean, everybody kind of looking like, what are those idiots doing? We're blessing God. We're doing it all in the name of Jesus. Before I get in my car and drive on any trip, I pray the mercies of God over me in the name of Jesus. And so I, I got to get a hold of this. Whatever, whatever, whatever. So he's telling, include him in whatever you're doing. When you work on your fence this weekend, include him. Say, ah, oh, Father God, help me in the name of Jesus. And so he's just given me and you an invitation. And he ends this verse and says, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. So I say, thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now, I want you to see the significance of the name of Jesus tonight. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 3. And as you're turning there, the name of Jesus is the name above every name. That's Philippians 2. We're going to Acts 3. But when we talk about speaking in the name of Jesus... Do I have any type of expectation in that name when I speak it? Is there any faith in that name when I speak it? And, and the reason I'm asking you that question is because that's where every one of us have got to get to that place that we see the power in the name of Jesus, but I, I can't just casually throw out the name of Jesus. I, I got to get where I get in my heart where when I speak in the name of Jesus, I expect things to happen. Can we do that? Well, I want you to see how the apostles did it, and we can learn from this. Acts 3, verse number 1. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. It's three in the afternoon. And a certain man, man, a certain man lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Now, the beautiful gate was an entrance to the temple there, and it was one of the favored entrances. In, in other words, the majority of the people would go in through the beautiful gate. Now, this lame man was very strategic. He knew this would be my greatest opportunity to beg. Verse 2, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, 
He asked them for some alms. Uh, It'd be easy to say, hey, fellas, you got a little extra change today. Verse 4. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Look at us. Verse 5. So the lame man gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. Now, in no, in no sense here is the Bible telling us that the Lord Jesus desires us to be broke, okay? I've had people that have said that. You see right there, they didn't have any money. That's not what that's talking about one bit, Okay? You know, in, in, in Psalms, this is a good one to write down. Psalms 35, 27 says, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So, why did they say, silver and gold have I none? Keep reading. Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So, literally what they were saying here is, I got something better than silver and gold. I got something that's not a temporary fix like silver and gold. So when Peter says this to this guy, silver and gold have I none but such as I give thee, he said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Now, when Peter and John speak this, their expectation is, this dude's fixing to rise up and walk. There was no Peter (laughs) looking at John and saying, hey, I sure hope this works today. No, if you note here, not only the boldness they spoke this, but there was a confidence. He looked at the guy. Here's a beggar, and he looked at him and said, listen, buddy, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And if we were to read verse 7, it literally says that Peter grabbed him by the arm and said, buddy, you're going to walk. And so I looked at this, and I think, The use of another man's name to declare a legal right is called the power of attorney. And in this verse right here, verse 6, this is the privileged power that Jesus delegated to me and you. The problems are, number one, a lot of believers don't know the power we have in the name of Jesus. And number two, got to get to a place in my life where I have an expectation when I speak in the name of Jesus. How does that happen? Well, I, I keep reading the scriptures. I keep reading, I keep reading the word and I keep seeing those things. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. A great area on building your faith in these areas in Matthew 8, it's the, the, the story of the centurion who Jesus said, I hadn't found such great faith in all of Israel. Another one is the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5. Jesus said to that woman, he said, darling, your faith has made you well. So again, people begin to get a hold of things, not just speak the name of Jesus, but they spoke it in faith. So we stay in Acts 3, verse 11 now. Catch this right here. Now as the lame man who was healed, here he is, he held on to Peter and John. And all the people came together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon, greatly amazed. Now at this point, Peter's got an opportunity. He's got all these people that they saw this miracle. And so he says, I'm going to preach Jesus to them. Verse 12. 
So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? And so Peter here, he attributed the healing to no unique human power. He said, boys, we didn't do it. He's a jar of clay. He's an earthen vessel that God chose to work through. And the reason I highlight that, we're jars of clay. The thing is, I believe, again, we've got to get a hold of this. And this is an area in my life. I said, Lord, increase my faith in this. You've got to help me. You've got to help me. So we keep reading in verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for murder to be granted to you, and you killed the prince with the author of life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Now, Peter gets bold. I mean, Jesus is crucified for saying stuff like that, and Peter doesn't back off. You know what Peter was telling those Jews? You boys chose. Verse 16, and his name, through faith in his name. Wow, is that not a a spiritual nugget right there? And his name, through faith in his name. So again, I I can get over and I can speak the name of Jesus almost like a, a, a magical phrase. And it's not going to give me any good, any good. And there's times in my life where I've, I've spoken the name of Jesus, but was I really in a position of faith where I said, man, when I speak this, this is going to happen. So again, I can speak the name of Jesus and not see any results unless I get to the place where through faith in his name. Now keep reading. Through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through Jesus has given him his perfect soundness and the presence of you all. And so when I read this here, faith in the name of Jesus, it, it, it was healing came in the name of Jesus when he got over in faith. So therefore, Peter is literally saying, faith in the name of Jesus has healed this man. So I read that and I think, Do I have that expectation? Turn a couple pages there to Acts 19. I want to show you another one. See, again, it's it's not merely just saying his name. I got to get over into faith. I got to begin to believe his his name. And when I speak it, the things are going to happen. Acts 19, verse 11. This this is a good uh, truth right here, verse 11. Now God, now God worked unusual miracle by the hands of Paul. Now God did it, but he worked unusual miracles through the hands of Paul. What do we go back to? We go back to 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Jars of clay, earthen vessels. Again, it shows me biblically that God operates through people. But it's all in the name of Jesus. And so if you note here... It was God doing it, but it was through the hands of Paul. And so oftentimes, people begin to look at ones and say, I, I, I just got to go get around that guy. He's a healer. 
He's not a healer. He's a person that understands that God can channel it all through him. But he's got to be a yielded vessel to God. That's what's amazing to me at times when people say, man, we're going to pack up and we're going to go to Florida because there's a great healing revival going on in this place. This man. It's not a man. It's God who does those things. And I believe God operates through people, but guess what? People can't turn it on and off. So we keep reading. So that even handkerchief or aprons were brought from Paul's body to the sick and the disease left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Pastor, do you believe in I do. I still believe that if God did those things through the hands of Paul, he'll still do them. Where we get into trouble is if, if this was the handkerchief or the apron and we saw someone get healed, you know what we'd use? I'd look at Chris and say, We've got to find out where they bought those handkerchiefs and aprons. We've got to get some of those. The truth of the matter, it's not in this again. It was the anointing of God that was on Paul. And what's interesting about this verse right here, it was literally the great commission that not only had they been around the things of God, but Paul laid hands on the sick and he cast out devils. And the, the gospel is always about people. I don't know about you, I I still believe the word of God. I believe God still heals people. I believe God still sets people free. Pastor, have you ever seen anybody healed by the laying on of hands? I've seen numerous. The greatest example I can tell you is my own brother. When when he was seven, he had cancer of his left clavicle. He's got an upside-down L on him, 129 stitches where they removed his whole clavicle. They said he'll never live out of his teenage years. He'll never play any sports. He was an all-state quarterback. He had all kinds of college offers. See, I'm thinking of my age. He's 57. He's still alive and kicking. But I saw it at 20, it came back on him. He said, lay hands on me and pray in the name of Jesus. When he was in his 30s, I remember he strolled in one day. He had a a knot on him the size of a golf ball. He said, lay hands on me in the name of Jesus. And so I've seen those things. So I'm not going to put God in a box, but again, I got to get back over in faith. So we got to move on. We got to move on. I got to quit telling stories. Then some of the itinerant or traveling Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, (laughs) we exercise or adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. Watch this. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus that I know, and Paul I know, but who on the heck are you? (laughs) That isn't what it said, but you get it. And so guess what these guys were doing? They heard Paul preach and speak and do those things in the name of Jesus. And they said, hey, let's do that. But again, they were throwing it out just to say, let's go fishing and see if we get any bites today. And and so they spoke in the name of Jesus, but there was no faith in it. 
And his story ends, and it's kind of funny here, I guess, when you look at verse 16. Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Man, what's going on at that house? Crazy stuff. You know why I read that there? Because it's all in the name of Jesus. But I, I can't try to duplicate the other things that people do. I have to have a revelation of the name of Jesus. And I have to have faith in the name of Jesus. And the only way that happens is when I begin to hang out with him. And so again, it's not to put fear on anybody because watch how verse 17 ends. And it says, this became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. The people saw the real and they saw the fake and they began to magnify the name of Jesus. And so, again, we go back to the spiritual law here tonight for every one of us. Whatever we do, I do in the name of Jesus. So if I use the name of Jesus and nothing happens, does that mean it doesn't work? No. You know what it means to me? I got to increase my faith. I got to keep reading the Word of God. I can tell when I spend a lot of times in the Scriptures. My, my faith will begin to soar. My faith will soar. I've, I've been in situations where I've been at the mall, I've been at stores, and I've, I've done well at times and I've flunked at other times. My flesh gets in the way. And what I'm, I'm saying here, and I'll end with these little short little nuggets here. The Lord said to me one day, he said, go ask that man if you can have permission to pray for his son in the name of Jesus. I said, Lord, that man doesn't know me. He said, that's okay. Silver and gold, I don't have but such I have. Give thy thee in the name of Jesus. So I asked the guy, I said, sir, I'm a believer. I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe Jesus heals, and I see your son right here. He's in need of healing. I said, will you allow me to pray for him in the name of Jesus? He said, have at it. Just real bold. I was in Costco about three months ago. Young one there, young, 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 young. His, his head was just totally gone, bald. And you could tell he was a child. You could just look and say, there's disease. So I'm strolling to go to the bathroom, and I sense the Lord rise up. And he said, lay hands on him in the name of Jesus. So I come walking back out, and I look, and the dad's there, and the boy's there, and now, golly, there's a line at the concession stand. And I start squirming. I start making excuses. And really, I'm not going to heal him. Jesus is. I'm just a jar of clay. And so all you guys are saying, Pastor, you laid hands on him, didn't you? I didn't. I didn't. I wept that night. Because I go back and Peter and John said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. And that's the place where we got to get, where it's not weird. Where I'm not there to make a scene. I just, in the name of Jesus. And so I get back to even a moment. I've got to say, Lord, help me increase my faith in this area. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.